Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the After the Storm podcast. This is episode 8, and today's episode will be a little bit different from the previous 7 in light of the school shooting that occurred in Uvalde, Texas at that elementary school. Now, originally the concept of this episode was going to be based on Mental Health Awareness Month and how we're coming to an end on it, and I wanted to make it a very kind of happy episode to kind of just deliver something to give you all some serotonin because I feel like a lot of the times when it comes to our mental health we focus so much on the work aspect of it that we don't take the time to enjoy those little things that make us go those things that make life worth living like the laughter and smile of a child or music and sports or time with your loved ones and those things that make us go so originally, I was going to interview my sweet, sweet little niece, my six-year-old niece, and just have a fun, non-serious conversation with her, uh, just so we can really dive into the innocence of a child and just not really think so deeply for a moment and just get to know her favorite colors and her favorite cartoons and her favorite songs and all that kind of stuff. But obviously, in light of everything that happened on Tuesday, that conversation took on a different meaning and a different weight. And I decided to save that for another day because I have a lot to say today, as I'm sure that many of you do as well. It's very frustrating it, and I'm still angry about it and I don't want to stop being angry about it because this seemingly occurs every other week, every other month. We have another news headline about uh, a shooting and I'm guilty of it in the past where I've kind of become numb to it and I've rinsed, washed, and repeat this, this cycle of I see this new story, I digest it, I feel some kind of way about it and then thoughts and prayers, moment of silence, uh, make a conversation about it, and then go on to the next thing. But this one just hits really close to home. Because it's it's kids. It's children. And I'm not a father, but I have a six-year-old niece. I have a four-year-old nephew. I have another niece who's two years old. And I can't imagine what being on the other end of that phone call is like or, or or watching on the news anxiously as I see reports of an an active school shooter on the campus where I just dropped off my loved ones and I think of them and I think of my friends who are bringing babies into this world some of which are getting to that age where they're just about to go to school and it's terrifying it's frustrating and I don't want to become numb to these events just because they've become so common. On Tuesday, I drove home from work pretty much in silence. Music, radio, nothing really felt like it would hit the spot. And I wanted to just sit there, hour-long traffic, and digest it and be within my own thoughts and feel those feelings of frustration, of anger, of sadness, and just be human for a second. 
And I felt deflated because I kept thinking of those lives that won't get to go home and those empty beds that parents won't get to tuck their children in anymore. And those empty rooms that loved ones won't even be able to bear to look at anymore. And we're at a point where nothing really feels right. And I almost feel guilty for shifting my focus towards other less significant things so quickly. Like going to watch a Miami Heat basketball game and feeling some kind of way about that. It's... It's part of that numbing process, and I don't want to feel that. It's too soon. And I get it. It's not healthy, and life goes on, and you still have to go do your day-to-day. And and all of us do. We're adults, and we're at that point. But can we just be human for a second? I don't want to shift my focus already onto other things. I, I want to be engulfed in this, and I think that we all should too, because nothing's changed. And I don't want this to be another situation where we just rinse, wash, and repeat the same thing over and over again. Moments of silence, thoughts and prayers, the whole thing. But at the same time, I do think that as a society, we're so so quick to politicize things and i understand the anger the frustration but as humans we need to take the time to process these things to grieve and to think about these victims whilst also making sure we're holding our loved ones tighter and making sure that they feel safe before we just move on to the next news headline and I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but this platform was designed for uncomfortable conversations. And although I can't offer answers and perhaps the weight of my individual opinion won't carry the world on its shoulders, I have to take the time and use this platform to express my thoughts openly. If anything, just for therapy. And maybe I'm able to eloquate some of the thoughts that some of you have and have had over these past couple of days. And so I want to start off by saying that obviously the most important thing is to think about the victims and the people who who didn't make it out of that day, out of that elementary school. But one thing that we haven't really focused on or touched on too much is how these kids or parents, these survivors, how are they supposed to recover as well? How are they supposed to walk these same halls where tragedy happened as if the situation never occurred? Is even elementary school so Americanized, so robotic that it's just go back to business as usual, just as so many other things in our society has become? You cannot undermine the long-term ramifications and how that goes beyond just those lives that are lost. 
that small community, those people, that school, everyone involved will have to face those long-term traumas and ramifications of those events that occurred on May 24th, 2022. When you're that age, when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, you're basically a sponge. When I was that age, I picked up so much and I'm just learning now, going into my 30s, of some of those long-term effects and why some of the, the situations that I was in as a child, how those affected my thought processes and the way that I feel about things, even now as an adult. And I never faced any anything nearly as traumatic as what those kids face, as what those parents face, those teachers. So it feels almost ridiculous to compare, but it's just an example of where these kids are going to be and the mindset that they're going to have as they develop and as they get older. Kids truly are like sponges when they're eight, nine, 10 years old. And the survivors of that shooting, they're going to have to live with that trauma for the rest of their lives. And to give you the perfect example, I'm sure that many of us can pinpoint exactly where we were and what we were doing September 11th, 2001, which now is almost 21 years ago. And yet, many of us remember it like it happened yesterday. We remember being in school. I was in third grade. I remember being in class. Teacher turns it on. I thought it was a movie. I thought, I thought she, oh, great, movie time at 9.30 in the morning. Later that day, I noticed my friends, they're getting picked up from school. It's like, why haven't I picked up from school? I was one of the last ones to leave, wondering what the hell is going on. I'm a kid. I don't understand it. But looking back at it now, that was one of the landmark moments in our generation's lives. We have that generational trauma that we've carried with us through all this time. And the crazy part is that we weren't even there. So imagine these kids who were actually there, who had to live through that moment, through that tragedy, to see that, to see. Th I can't even get into it. I, I don't, I don't want to put myself or any of us at the scene. But I just imagine these kids, these parents, these victims, and what they went through that day and what they're going to continue to go through. Like I said, I'm not a parent, but I have my nieces and nephew and plenty of my friends have kids of their own. And I, my heart honestly truly goes out to any parent that has to sit there and explain to their children why things like this happen. And then proceed to tell them that this would never happen to them and that things would be okay. Meanwhile, in the back of their mind, they don't even know if what they're saying is true. Because we've arrived at a point where we don't even know where it's safe to go anymore. It's frustrating. It's terrifying. And I understand thoughts and prayers and moments of silence. I get it. Because at times like this, it feels like that's all many of us can really offer. But at what point do these things become shallow? 
I feel like for a lot of people, thoughts and prayers is kind of like uh, just a way to, hey, this is me showing that I care about this. How many times does it actually come from a place of empathy rather than a place of PR and just, hey, I want to show everybody that I care? It feels empty a lot of the time, doesn't it? And we don't want thoughts and prayers from those in charge. We want policy reform. We want action. We want things that are going to make a difference. And people are so quick to politicize these tragic events. And they come out hard in defense of things like the Second Amendment and their rights to bear arms. Sometimes right after offering empathy and thoughts and prayers to the families that are suffering, there's not even a grace period. They'll tweet, oh, what a tragic loss, what a tragic event. Moments later, Second Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights. You're not even giving yourself a chance to be human and to grieve with these people before going out and expressing your opinion and feeling so strongly about it. When did we stop becoming humans? When did we just become these, these martyrs for these beliefs? And this kid, whose name I refuse to say, this kid just turned 18 and legally bought two assault rifles and ammunition just as easy as he could have bought a box of cigarettes. What's the point? Why do we make it so easy? I couldn't even legally buy a six-pack of Bud Light at 18. But I could have purchased an assault rifle? Make it make sense, man. It just it doesn't make sense. And you have these people who say, who are against this idea of changing the age from 18 to 21 where you could legally buy guns because a lot of them say, Oh, we're going to change it to 21 and that's not going to work. So then what's the next step? Go to 25, 30, and then just ban guns altogether? Well, we got to try. We got to do something. Listen, I I don't know what factor it'll play, but we have to do something. And just to put it out there, I mean, the Uvalde shooter was 18. Buffalo shooter, 18. Sandy Hook, 20. Parkland, 19. These are kids. And some of these people purchase their guns legally. Some of them purchase them illegally. I understand that. I understand that even if with gun restrictions, that there will still be other ways for people to have to, to purchase guns if they really want it. I, I get that. But we still make it too easy. Why? Man, these tragedies are being carried out by kids who legally cannot even purchase a drink. And whether that situation stems from a failure at home or from outside sources, the accessibility that these kids have to such lethal weapons, it needs to be regulated more efficiently. It has to. Oh, and then, then you have your argument that we should arm teachers. Listen, if you're a teacher and you want to go out there and train yourself and 
and learn how to shoot a weapon properly so that you can defend yourself and your students in dire situations like this, that's your prerogative, so be it more power to you. But to make it their responsibility to arm teachers is if there's any correlation whatsoever between wanting to teach the youth the future of this country, social studies and science and mathematics, if there's any correlation between that and wanting to learn to fire a gun accurately, make that make sense. How are we putting that responsibility on them, these these teachers who are severely underpaid as it is already, and now you want to add this responsibility to it? No, we should be protecting them as they teach our kids while we're off being adults and working. Are you kidding me? And then you have people, man, who who say that guns keep our community safer. If more guns in our community made us a safer community, the U.S. would have been the safest community in the world a long time ago. But instead, we lead the world in mass shootings, in school shootings, and it ain't even close. It's a slippery slope, I get it. But it seems as though a subset of people have focused their energy on finding any excuse to excuse guns. Grocery stores, movie theaters, malls, parks, college campuses, high schools, elementary schools. We've seen just about every situation that we can see. And nowhere feels safe anymore. It's a terrifying feeling. It's a terrifying feeling to think that even the most basic human activities may no longer be safe. Where else on this planet but here do we see such consistency with events like this? I'm telling you, mass shootings have almost become a part of American culture. It's as American as a hot dog on the 4th of July, as going on a boat on Memorial Day. And it's it's so normalized now, and it's unfortunate because it's just become a part of our society, and we have this recycled conversation and news story every some odd months, every some odd weeks. And we're not doing enough, and that's incredibly evident by not only the statistics, but by the lives we've had to see and so soon. I read a post the other day that said that after Sandy Hook, we said, never again. And yet all this changed since then, since 10 years ago. All this changed since then is that we've turned fire and tornado drills into active shooter drills on campus. We shifted the responsibility onto these kids and said, hey, good luck. I hope this works. It's fucking pathetic. And a multitude of things needs to change. I know we talked a lot about guns, but I know it's it's not just, that's not the only problem there at hand. And of course, you have your idiots that argue border patrol because the killer was Hispanic and my question is, how are we still doing this? How are we making these 
convenient arguments during times of tragedy to try to optimize these beliefs that are totally unrelated to the situation at hand. We're just dividing ourselves even more. Now look, I have been told multiple times that I'm difficult to speak to about this topic because I come from a place of emotion and passion. But at this point, how am I supposed to see it any other way when nothing has changed and lawmakers prioritize their greed, their power, their money, their positioning? At this point, why should I give a singular fuck about the right to bear arms just because our forefathers made it our right in 1791? Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the freedoms derived from most, from most of our constitution but not one that stubborn lobbyists refuse to amend despite being 200 plus years old that clearly has shown that it needs some revisions. I cannot believe that we have arrived at a point where sports figures and head coaches like Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr seemingly have more common sense or more empathy more want for change than those that the American people have elected to run this country do. Oh, but then you have your elected officials, your people of power, like Ted Cruz, like Greg Abbott, and good old Trumpy, offering their thoughts and their prayers and their empathy, only to then shift their focus towards their scheduled appearances at an NRA conference in Houston, Texas, less than 300 miles from Uvalde, just days after the tragedy. But I digress. I know there's a lot of gun lovers out there, and many of you may be turned off by this conversation. And look, in a perfect world, I wish that we could find some common ground. I truly do. But for now, whether it may sound irrational or not, I cannot stand to fight to protect the Second Amendment being more prioritized over the fight to save our people, to save our kids, to save us, anyone on the other side of that gun. And over the past couple of days, one thing I've seen a lot is people asking, when are we going to do something about this or what are we doing? And those are great questions because when are we going to do something about this? And what are we doing? Nothing has changed. How many more mass shootings do we have to endure before our elected officials decide it's time to do something about it? But no, no, no. Everyone wants to fight and protect their beliefs. But shouldn't we all share the same common goal? The safety of our loved ones, the safety of ourselves, of this country. But the problem is that we tend to distance ourselves from such events because we think, oh, this would never happen to me or any one of my loved ones. But that's such a naive thought. I live in Pembroke Pines, less than 40 minutes from where the Parkland shooting happened. I'm telling you, it's always closer than you think. And God forbid, man, God forbid that any of us ever have to be on the other end of that phone call. I said this point earlier, but I will reiterate it again because you need to embed it in your head. 
God forbid that any of us ever have to be on the other end of that phone call or that we ever have to sit anxiously watching the news as we see an active shooter on the campus where we just dropped off our children, our loved ones. And then we're stuck hoping that we'll get to see these kids again, to hug them again, to, to, to hold them, to kiss them. It's, it's terrifying. And I hope that none of us ever have to deal with this ever again. School used to be the safest place a child could go, man. When I was nine, ten years old, my biggest fear was admitting I had a crush on a girl in my class. Because all my guy friends would think I was weird. And, oh, you like a girl, she has cooties, you know, the whole childish thing. That was my biggest fear as a nine to ten year old. Fire drills? All that meant was that we got to leave class for a little bit and take a break from math. And now you got kids doing active shooter drills, worried about their lives, if they're going to see their parents again, if them and their friends are going to get to see the light of day the next day. I can't even fathom the thoughts of a confused and terrified 10-year-old in school. Not now, not in 2022. It used to be so much easier. It used to be so much more simple. Look, mental health is obviously a huge pillar of what we do on the show, what we talk about on the show. And I know it will continue to be a strong talking point of this situation and future mass shooting situations. It just, it's a natural thing that's going to happen. And I know it's a major component of why this is happening. And I know your upbringing matters, but just as a gun lobbyist would say, millions of Americans own guns and you don't see all of them going on shooting sprees. I say to that, millions of Americans suffer from mental health issues and you don't see all of them going on shooting sprees either. Gun lobbyists will use mental health as a crutch. Now, because... It's convenient to their argument, to their story. And it comes in defense of their precious artillery. But when it doesn't fit their narrative, they belittle it. They don't think it's as real as many of us know it is. Because the concept doesn't fit their narrative anymore. And it's sad. It's unfortunate. Because both of these things can be true in the same, in the same world. Mental health is an issue. And guns are an issue. But so many people want to just take one side or the other side to protect. And it's sad, man. It's sad. This shouldn't be a democratic issue. This shouldn't be a Republican issue. This should be an issue for everyone. We should all be working together to come up with a solution to figure this situation out so we never have to deal with this again. And I get it. There's a bigger discussion that needs to be had. I don't believe that there's one foolproof solution to this. But if other nations have been able to figure it out, then surely, surely it can't be as difficult as we've made it out to be. Surely, the land of the brave and the home of the free can muster up a solution to help us overcome our very obvious problem and at the time of this recording man 21 victims have been identified including 19 children 
19. It's unfathomable. And so I want to really humanize this moment. And I want to take a moment to just at least pay respects and read these names of these victims, many of which are children and two of which uh, were fourth grade teachers who also didn't make it out alive. Uh, and as I read and I look at these names, a lot of them, most of them are Hispanic names. And me being Hispanic and uh, the majority of the listeners of the show probably being Hispanic, it's just another thing that, another element that just makes this so close to home. And it's unfortunate, but I'm just going to read off some of these names uh, pretty quickly so we can just pay respects um, to these wonderful kids that lost their lives and these teachers who I'm sure fought vigorously to protect their students and themselves. Alexandria Rubio, 10 years old. Alethea Ramirez, 10 years old. A. Marie Jo Garza, 10 years old. Annabelle Rodriguez, 10 years old. Eliahana Torres, 10 years old. Eliana Garcia, 9 years old. Jackie Casares, 10 years old. Jayla Silguero, 10 years old. Jace Luvanos, 10 years old. Jose Flores, 10 years old. Layla Salazar, 10 years old. Makina Lee Elrod, 10 years old. Maite Rodriguez, 10 years old. Miranda Mathis, 11 years old. Navia Bravo. Rogelio Torres, 10 years old. Tess Marie Mata. Uzziah Garcia, 8 years old. Javier Lopez, 10 years old. Eva Mireles, 44, a fourth grade teacher and Irma Garcia, a fourth grade teacher. Rest in peace to all these people who lost their lives and condolences and thoughts and prayers and anything that can be sent over, any positivity, any love that can be sent over to these parents and the faculty and the staff and all these other children, all these little angels have to continue to live with the thoughts of this tragedy. It's unspeakable, it's unfathomable, and as I said, I don't really have the words to put together to describe how they're supposed to feel right now. And it, we're at a point where in this situation, we can all say the nicest things, but Nothing we say, nothing we do is going to help bring those kids back. But we know that, or at least we hope, that if we continue to, to fight and to let our voices be heard, that we can make the moves and, and 
get the ear of the people who are in power and hopefully make the measures, take the measures that will prevent situations like this from ever happening again. Because it's getting tiring. It's sickening. I'm frustrated. We're all frustrated. It's fucking ridiculous, man. We're still dealing with this. And I don't know. I'm not sure what more to say here. And it's for reasons like this, honestly, that I don't like to do bulk recording. And what I mean by bulk recording is I could very easily just record a bunch of different episodes within the day or two days and just release those sporadically throughout the weeks. But I don't ever want to do that because life changes, things changes, and this is a perfect example of how something could just happen out of nowhere that could just feel so relevant and can impact you um, so deeply. And it's why I always kind of wait till a Monday or Tuesday to start producing this show because by that point I've had a full week almost to process things, to see how life changes around me and decide what I want to do with it, how I want to present it and how I want to take the time to uh, produce a show and put it out there for all of you guys to hear. And as much as I would have loved to have done that original idea for this episode, as I said earlier, it just didn't feel like the right timing. Um, But it's something that we'll definitely get back to at some point. But it feels like talking about anything else this episode wouldn't really make sense. And I think that we can leave it off where we're at here. This is a conversation that I'm sure many people are going to continue to have. And I hope that this news stays fresh in the minds of many so that we can spark change so that lawmakers can finally get their shit together, get their act together and uh, do something about these things because it's frustrating. It's tiring, man. I I don't want to do any more moments of silence, any more thoughts and prayers. And I'm sure many of you are just as sick of it as I am. So I'll leave you as always with some parting words. Uh, Make sure this week and every week after that, but especially this week to Give those people around you their flowers and to tell them that you love them and to hold your loved ones uh, closer, especially the kids, man, especially the kids, the ones that are scared, the ones that have no idea what's going on. Just make them feel loved. Make them know that, that you know, you're there for them, that if they see you as their hero, be their hero. And just, I don't know, it's a tough week for words, as you can see. But, uh... As I sign off, I'll leave you with one song. We didn't really do music this week, obviously, but I'll leave you with one song. It's a song, it's one of the most famous songs in the history of music, arguably, but it's a song that uh, is about peace and, and love, and uh, it's something that obviously we needed at a time like this. A lot of people are going to be divided on this topic, which is crazy when you think about it, but... Uh, we always need peace and love, man. And uh, the song I'm going to be leaving you guys with is uh, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, a timeless, timeless classic. Uh, but as always, guys, make sure you tell somebody you love them. 
and hope you conquer today, conquer tomorrow, conquer the next day, and that all the good things in your life happen, and that you and your loved ones are safe, and that you have a great Memorial Day weekend this weekend, and be smart and celebrate safely. All right, I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace and love. Be safe out there. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love here today. Don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Pick it and pick it side. Punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Can't see what's going on. Yeah, what's going on.